Let us pray. Father, we come to you in praise and thanks for your word, that you've left us, Lord, your holy word, that we can read and study, that we can have your spirit reveal to us its meaning, that it transforms us and makes us, Lord, into the likeness of Christ. We ask, Lord, that you'd come, that you'd teach us from your word, that you'd show us, Lord, what we need to learn, we need to apply. We commit this to you, Jesus. Amen. How many of you have old photographs? Maybe they're uh, in a photo album. Maybe they're in a shoebox in the back of a closet. You know, for those of a younger generation, your, your parents and grandparents used to take photo pictures with film. Then they developed the film. And only then would you see how bad the photo was. There was no uh, delete feature. What was taken was captured and preserved and has been kept in a box somewhere. When you look at old pictures of yourself, how does it make you feel? Do you cringe a bit at how you used to look? Perhaps it was that weird and odd hairstyle that was the fashion of the time. Maybe you had a mohawk when you were 16. Perhaps it was the clothes or the glasses, or the braces you wore. Or perhaps it was just the goofiness of being young. All pictures capture a glimpse of what we were. They're a window frozen in time of how we used to look. And seeing them can ignite memories, both good and bad, as well as a few laughs, as in, yep, that's how I used to look. There's also another photo album. You may not know it, but you have another photo album in your collection. They're not pictures of how you look physically. They're actually pictures of how you look spiritually. Photographs of when you were a tiny baby Christian, just taking those first awkward steps of faith. There are pictures of your adolescence, when you chose to obey and follow Jesus, even when it was difficult. There are pictures of you when you failed. And there are pictures of you today, right now. This morning we're going to look at two pictures. Not just the one that Jonathan read, but another one as well. Two pictures of the Apostle Peter that are preserved for us in God's Word. And if you care to think about it in this way, God's Word is in some ways like a spiritual photo album. There are pictures of many people, all captured and preserved at the moment they were taken. Good and bad. We're going to look at two different images of Peter and his faith. And as we ponder about these, as we consider these two different pictures, we're going to see how a man who was chosen by Jesus to be his disciple, to follow him, moved from possessing a limited faith to possessing and living in great faith. And I want each of us this morning to learn from Peter and to be encouraged that the picture of you from yesterday need not be the same picture as of you today and tomorrow. So we're asking this morning, how do you move in your life from where you are right now to a place of greater, deeper, and more mature faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If I were to take your picture right now, each of your pictures, and we developed it and looked at it, what would you hope to see? 
you think about your faith, what do you hope to see? How different would it be from a picture last year? Is there a difference? And the first picture we're looking at for Peter this morning, as read by Jonathan, is in Matthew 14, 22 to 23. It's a photo of Peter as he's learning how to walk in the fullness of faith. There's a lot behind this picture, a lot of context, a lot of background before this picture is even taken. We learn early in the chapter that uh, John the Baptist had been killed and Jesus went away by himself to mourn with his disciples. But as he attempted to do that, the crowds followed and Jesus had pity and mercy upon them and healed them. Peter and the disciples witnessed these miracles as well as the miracle of feeding of 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. The disciples were even permitted to help out. They distributed the food and collected the leftovers before Jesus ushered them into the boat. Okay, it's finished. Head off to the other side of the, of the sea. And as they headed out to the sea, Jesus also dismissed the crowds to go home. Then in verse 23, and this is important, in verse 23 we notice something important. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain by himself to pray. We've seen in the past how important and vital it was to Jesus that he spend time alone with the Father. And it's perhaps for this reason why he dismissed the crowds, why he sent his disciples away, because he needed time to be alone with the Father. After he finished his prayer time on the mountain with the Father, Jesus set out to meet his disciples in verse 25. And by now, they were a long distance from the shore, facing uh, rough waves and wind. And in the story, we see that when the disciples caught sight of Jesus, they freaked out. This must be a ghost or an apparition. This is unusual. No one ever sees this. And at once, Jesus calmed their fears by calling out that it was him and that they had no reason to fear. Take heart, he said. It is I, the Lord. This sets the stage as you ready your camera to take a picture of Peter. In this picture, we see desire, Trust, fear, and faith all played out in this amazing drama. The first thing we see is desire. Upon hearing that Jesus says, it's me, don't be afraid, what does Peter do? It's very strange. It's not what I would do. Peter says in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. Why would he say that? Peter's response to Jesus was, I want to go where you are. I can't wait for you to get to the boat. I need to go to you. I have a desire to be with you. If you're on the water, I want to be in the water with you. Peter could not wait. He was anxious to go see his Lord. And Peter had done this before, and he'll do it later, after Jesus is resurrected. He jumps in the water to swim to the beach to see Jesus. Learning to walk in the fullness of faith often begins with the desire, the desire to be with Jesus. And notice that Peter asks the Lord for permission. Command me, Lord. Give me permission to come to you. Because Peter's desire required permission to be fulfilled. And so Jesus said, yes, come. One word, come. 
And so we see Peter having trust as he obeys Jesus. He steps out into the boat. That takes tremendous faith, great faith, absolute faith, confidence. The other 11 disciples sat in the boat as it was rocking and shaking in the waves and wind. And here is Peter stepping out in faith. And so Peter walks on water approaching Jesus in full confidence. He's trusting. He has a desire and a trust. But then something happens. Fear overtakes faith. As Peter walks, our text says that he sees the wind and fear and doubt well up within him and he begins to sink. Tell me, can we actually see the wind? How can you see the wind? You can feel it. You can see its effects, but can you see it? Think of Peter stepping out on the boat. It wasn't a calm sea. It was rough. He saw the waves. He felt the spray of the water flashing against his face. He saw the wind pushing the boat, and he saw Jesus ahead of him. And perhaps at that moment he realized, I can't walk on water. This is crazy. And he began to sink. Remember, this is happening late at night, between 3 and 6 a.m. It's dark. It's not light out. It's a storm. There's a strong wind crashing about. And yet, Jesus was there to be with him. We don't know how far Peter went before fear gripped him, but our text says Peter began to sink as fear began to appear, as his fear overcame his faith. In that moment, Peter did what we all must do. He cries out to Jesus, save me. He expresses his faith again. He cries out to Jesus, and Jesus reaches out, and he catches him. He catches hold of him and pulls him up. Think of that. Remember that, pulling him up. And he does, Jesus says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It is here that we take our picture of Peter. Click. That's the picture we have. This is the image saved for us from Scripture and for us to ponder over. Peter displayed great courage and great faith to step out of the boat onto the windswept waves in the middle of the night at the command of Jesus. This was Peter's spoken desire. He trusted Jesus would make it possible. And Jesus did. Peter walked on the water. But Peter was still learning about the faith that sustains. Many of us begin well, having faith to trust and obey Jesus. But when troubles arise, we can falter. We can slip. In that moment, we discover how resilient and how deep our faith really is. You know, one commentator put it this way. Peter had strong faith. Peter had faith strong enough. Peter had faith strong enough to get out of the boat and walk on the water. But his faith was not strong enough to stand in the storm. Peter had faith strong enough to get out of the boat and walk on the water, but his faith was not strong enough to stand in the storm. It is unlikely that Jesus will ever command you to walk on water. But there are times in our lives when we can feel that we're treading water, just able to keep our heads above the waves, just trying to survive the next day. 
We have faith, but our faith needs to deepen and mature, just as it did for Peter. Note what Jesus did not say to Peter. Jesus did not say to Peter, Oh, if you have no faith, why did you doubt? He said, You have little faith. Peter displayed tremendous faith to get out of the boat in the first place. The challenge arose when doubt entered his heart and mind, and he wavered. I do not personally read these words of Jesus as a rebuke. I read them as an expression of tenderness. Peter, you're doing so well. Why did you doubt me? This can be said of each of us. I think the Lord more than once has said to me, Charles, you were doing so well. But why did you shrink back from fully trusting me? I wanted to do more. I wanted you to trust me more. But you wouldn't go that extra distance. That's how faith grows as we take those steps. You see, faith is not just about knowing Jesus is the Savior. Faith is not just about surrendering your life to him. Faith is so much more. Faith is alive, it grows, it matures, and it deepens. And this is realized as we seek to live in faith, even as we experience greater levels of trust and obedience. Hebrews 11.1 one puts it this way. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith believes, conviction knows. Convictions help us live like we believe. As we struggle and practice trust, and it's a practice to discipline to trust Jesus. It's a choice. Our faith becomes deeper and able to trust even more. By faith tested through practice, we slowly move from limited faith to greater faith. And this is a snapshot, the first snapshot of Peter, where he was at, his, where he was at, at the time in his faith. How strong do you think your faith is? Not a question we often ask. We don't think of faith. We think of faith either you have it or you don't. Either you believe or you don't believe. But how strong is your faith? How deep is that faith that you have? When things do not go your way, when you've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad year, how quick are you to cast an accusing glance at God? How quick does fear and worry crowd out your faith? Our faith is only faith when it is centered in God himself. Realized and made alive in Christ, and can only grow as we take steps with Jesus, because faith is tied to Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no faith. Jesus is our faith. Old pictures show us how much we've changed physically. Old spiritual photos show how far we've changed spiritually. They show us how we've grown and matured in our faith. And there should be a difference. From year to year, decade to decade, there should be a difference as you deepen your walk with the Lord. There was for Peter. And this takes us to our second picture of Peter this morning. It's in Acts chapter 3. If you care to turn in your Bibles and follow along. Acts chapter 3 is another picture of Jesus, of uh, Peter and his interactions in faith. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, 
to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. In this picture, it's a bit different than the previous one. Gone is that flush of uneven faith, which so quickly gave way to fear and doubt. Now we see a man of greater faith, full of confidence, conviction, and purpose to live for Jesus, filled by his Spirit. Because this happened after Acts 2. The Holy Spirit is now given. It's a photo of Peter living in and through the fullness of faith and Christ. And that's the second picture we have of Peter now living within and through faith. And we see that Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. And they pass by a lame man begging. We've all seen people on the street who are begging. In this picture of Peter's faith, we catch a glimpse of another's faith, just as it's beginning to emerge, like a double exposure. And once again, involves desire and trust, but this time, fear is absent. It is replaced by faith and conviction. For the lame man, for the beggar sitting on the ground, his desire was simple, to receive charity, some money, some food. He'd been that way since birth. In fact, people had to carry him to the temple every day to ask for alms. And as people walked by, he asked everybody, including Peter and John. Peter and John's desire was to go do the prayers in the temple in the afternoon. But as they walked along, God gave them a different desire. This is important. They had a different desire now as they saw this man sitting and begging. And they stopped and paused and looked at him. And they stared at him. They gazed at him. It was then that Peter called to the man and required both to exercise some trust. And Peter fixed his atten- and the beggar fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. The beggar trusted, he expected to receive something. Why else would they call his name? Call him. Hey, look at us. I'm going to receive something. So he paid them attention. That was his desire. God gave Peter the desire to trust, to give the man something else. He had the faith to do something different. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. What I do have, I give to you. Exercise of faith. What did Peter have to give to the man? What could he possibly give? He gave away his faith in Jesus. Peter was living his life immersed in Christ. And so that's what Peter gave to him. He gave him faith. He exercised his faith. And Peter did a couple of things here. He first spoke. 
in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Period. But he did something else. He acted. He acted out his faith. He didn't just speak. He acted with no doubt, knowing full well with conviction what was going to happen. With confidence born from experience of walking on water, of seeing Jesus do all sorts of things, and now filled by the Spirit. It's a vivid picture. The text reads, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. The man is sitting on the ground. You wouldn't beg with your left hand, your right hand. And as he's doing that, what does Peter do? He grabs his hand and he pulls him up, knowing that Jesus will heal him. That takes faith. The lame man, he never asked to be healed. I don't see the text saying, can you heal me? I doubt it even occurred to him. He was sitting and begging with his hand held out. With Peter's words of faith and actions, the man received the name of Jesus and was allowed himself to be pulled up and he was healed because Peter gave the man not what he wanted, what he needed. He needed Jesus, not a few coins in his hand. And in verse 8, we see leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Think about it. This is a man who was born and could never walk. He'd never walked before. He was lame from birth, it says in verse 2. And now he's jumping. He's excited. This is amazing. My life has been transformed physically and spiritually. But the results of faith go beyond this event. It touches others. Because all the people in the temple saw this man jumping and praising God took note of him and realized this is the guy, the same guy who was at the temple gates, who was lame. Now look at him. Praising God, something as amazing has happened. We're not quite sure what it is, but something has happened amazing. And so they're filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Back in Matthew 14, when Jesus and Peter got in the boat and the wind ceased, what did the disciples do? And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Same reaction. When Jesus works, people praise. You know, thinking of a story of uh, a Turkish believer many years ago uh, who, in, in Turkey, they have cars called dolmuches that are stuffed cars. That's what it means, stuffed. You get into the car, you go from point A to point B, anywhere along the path, you can get off. That's how it works. He was a young believer. And he got into the Dolmash, and as he drove across the bridge from one side of Istanbul to the other, the driver began to cough quite violently, hacking and coughing, driving his car. And so my friend, out loud, in the back, prayed for healing. And he said the man just got worse. He coughed and hacked even more. He had to pull the car off to the side of the road. It was so bad. And discharge them out. And my friend thought... Well, that was really, uh, you know, I exercised faith and look what happened. But it wasn't for the man that he was praying. There's another man in the car next to him. And after they got out of the car, the man said, you know, I'm Armenian, a Christian. I've never heard anybody pray like that. I want to know more about, about what you are doing. That's why he prayed in faith. 
Sometimes we exercise our faith thinking it's for this purpose, but God has another purpose. Somebody we don't see. When you exercise your faith, people are watching you. We all read stories of, of great missionaries of the past, or we all look up to people who have great faith, and we admire them. They don't know that. They may think them, them, themselves a failure. They'd be surprised what you, you think of, of this person as great in faith. A person would never consider that of themselves. What we do, how we believe, affects other people. And in this case, it affected the crowds who saw the miracle and saw the faith that was being demonstrated. And so we come to the conviction that Peter demonstrated. As the crowds came to wonder what was going on, Peter preached the gospel. And I want to draw your attention to the very last verse, 16. Peter makes it very clear. And his name, that is the name of Jesus, by faith in his name, has made this man strong in whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. We know later on in the next chapter in Acts 4 that as this was happening, the priests and the captain of the guard and the Sadducees came to them and knowed what was going on. That they're teaching the people that Jesus rose from the dead. And they arrested Peter and John and put them in, in custody until the next day because it was evening time. But look what happens in verse 4, Acts 4.4. 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. How many did Jesus uh, feed? 5,000. So what is our response to all this? Is this just a nice picture? We're looking at old pictures? Or does it tell us something else? All of us change. If we don't, we're dead. Photographs, whether on paper or digitally preserved, tell the story of your life, the moments and occasions that make you who you are. All of us also change spiritually. Moving towards deeper and more resilient faith means moving to a place where faith is part of your life to the place where faith is your life. Is your faith something that you include in your day? Or is faith something that is your day? That you live within faith, just as a fish lives in water. Water is not part of a fish's life, it is his life. Just as air is to us. This is a process of trusting and entrusting yourself to Jesus. And Peter, in our pictures this morning, gradually learned to trust Jesus more deeply as seen in the progressive time-lapse photos the scripture gives us. This is a way of faith that we also follow. We also follow from picture to picture, from situation to situation. They tell us the story of our faith. It is about moving from belief to conviction, from I believe in Jesus to I know Jesus. I know him. From the theory of faith to the experience of seeing Jesus in your daily life through faith. It is a quiet confidence in Christ that comes by being with him, trusting him through all the seasons of life. I know it's not easy. I know if I sat down with you, it'll have stories to tell how difficult it is to follow him. But doing so leads to a greater conviction that comes from knowing Christ. We know him more deeply as we walk with him, as we follow him. I don't know where you are today. Maybe your faith is strong and resilient 
Maybe this has been deepened over years of struggles and trials. And it's not age-dependent. You can be a young person, your faith is great. You can be a senior citizen, and your faith is weak. It's not about physical age. It's about spiritual maturity. Maybe your faith is fragile this morning. Maybe you're just hanging on. You're just clinging on the edge of that boat. Like it is hang on. Maybe you haven't thought about it. You don't know where you are. If you ask honestly, I don't know where I am. You see, faith is never a one-time intellectual agreement that Jesus is your redeemer. Faith is the beginning. And then it continues to grow. It must grow. Wherever you are along the spectrum of faith this morning, I ask you to trust Jesus. I call upon you to bow in your heart before him and say to him, you know, Lord, I do trust you. I give you those things in my life that are hard to trust you for, things that are beyond my faith. I want to give you those things, and I invite you, Lord, to give me the faith and conviction to follow you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you always in our need. We need you and want to trust you, Lord. We know you are God's son. We know that you're the Messiah, that you're the Savior. You are the bright morning star. And I'll bow before you, Lord, and confess who you are. Jesus, we come to you right now and ask that you would strengthen our hearts of faith, that whatever is happening, that whatever will happen, Lord, we release these things to you, and we trust you to guide and lead us so that the Father may be honored and glorified through your work in us. In this we pray, Jesus. Amen.